Today is the third Sunday of Advent, which is generally four Sundays before Christmas. Uh, Christmas nor Advent are words that we find in the Bible, but, um, but throughout church history, the time of preparation leading up to uh, uh, the, the coming of Jesus, the birth of Jesus, has been a very, very special time. It's the beginning of the church calendar. It's the first season of the church calendar. Uh, the word Advent simply is an English translation of the Latin word meaning the coming or arrival. And so it's a time of preparation. It's a time of waiting for the coming of Jesus. And and we would understand that Jesus comes in different ways. He came as a born as an infant uh, um, uh, many, many, some 2,000 years ago. He comes to us even as adults when we accept him and we become a part of of, uh, of those who follow and name his name through baptism. Uh, but then we also are awaiting his coming at the end of time. As he has promised, he will come back and, uh, and usher us into uh, uh, God's presence with him. And so for this time of Advent this year, we've been using text from the book of Isaiah, which is the most quoted book of the Old Testament, quoted in the New Testament. And, uh, and, and two weeks ago, we looked at Isaiah 64, uh, asking God to come down from heaven and join us in the midst of our challenges and struggles here. Uh, last week, we looked at Isaiah 40, uh, where we have a message of comfort and we have a message of preparation for the coming Messiah that then John the Baptist used as he prepared the way for the coming Messiah. Our text today is going to come from Isaiah chapter 61. So I invite you to go ahead and get your Bibles or pull it up on your devices, and we'll read through that text in, in just a second. I don't know if it's the most popular. You might have your own most popular uh, Christmas movie uh, of all time, but for many people, it's the uh, traditional It's a Wonderful Life uh, with Jimmy Stewart. Uh, the movie tells the story. I don't think I'm giving anything away. Uh, it's been around for quite some time. But it tells the story of a man named George Bailey. And George is a really good-hearted man who's trying to help out and do the right thing. And, he, and things just don't go the way he had hoped for or planned for in his life. And he gets to a point of total despair. He's not treated very nicely. And he gets to a point where he's contemplating suicide. Well, he has an, a guardian angel named Clarence. And, and Clarence finds a way to save George's life, and he also wants to help George understand what would have happened if George wasn't around. So he takes him kind of on a tour of what the world would have looked like if George was not present, how drastically different the world would have been. Instead of this happening, then that would have happened. Or instead of that, this is now the new reality. You know, that word instead is a powerful word. It, it, it suggests a change. It, it suggests an interchange or an exchange of one thing for another. In the best of worlds, in the best case scenario, it's an exchange for something better. A couple of years back, Catherine and I were making preparations to go to Greece to participate in a family retreat uh, that the church in Athens was having. It was going to the hotel and resort was located in Sancria, uh, which is not far from ancient, Ath uh, ancient Corinth. 
And when we got to Miami International Airport, there was a problem with our tickets and the seats that we had pre-selected and paid for, uh, uh, for some strange reason, weren't available. And as Catherine and I were trying to figure out what does this mean, because they didn't have two seats together, we thought, wow, it's a long flight to London. Uh, I guess if you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with, right? Make friends with your neighbor. Well, then uh, the, uh, uh, the reception or the attendant came back and said, you know, we've got the solution. We've got your problem solved. We're going to exchange your coach seats and we're going to give you first class tickets instead. And so we flew to, to London uh, um, first class, which was uh, um, totally unexpected. It was an extremely welcome exchange. And instead of one thing, we got another. Instead. It's a powerful word. And Isaiah is going to use that word in this chapter to point to a different reality for God's people. In Isaiah chapter 61, the prophet is writing and looking forward to a time after the exile when God's people will return to Jerusalem. At that time, the people are going to experience a brokenness. They were broken by the exile. They were broken by captivity. They're broken by the ruins that surround them. You know, when we're overwhelmed with troubles and difficulties, sickness and death, it's easy for Satan to to work his way into our thinking and convince us it's never going to get any better. Just give up hope. That's what George Bailey thought. It's not going to get any better. But God and Isaiah wants to give his people a different message. Instead of a future with no hope, I want to give you a a future full of hope. And one of the ways Isaiah does that is by using the word instead. So uh, it appears four times in our reading. And so uh, uh, be listening for it. And, uh, and if you don't have your Bible, you can follow along on the, stream, on the screen. Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 11. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty instead of ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. They will rebuild the ancient ruins, repairing cities destroyed long ago. They will revive them, even though they have been deserted for many generations. Foreigners will be your servants, and they will feed your flocks and plow your fields and tend your vineyards. You will be called priests of the Lord, ministers of our God. You will feed on the treasures of the nations and boast in their riches. Instead of shame and honor, you will enjoy a double portion of honor. You will possess a double portion of prosperity in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully reward my people for their suffering and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be recognized and honored among the nations. Everyone will realize that they are a people the Lord has blessed. 
Verse 10, I am overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God, for he has dressed me with the clothing of salvation and draped me in a robe of righteousness. I'm like a bridegroom in his wedding party or a bride in her jewels. The sovereign Lord will show his justice in the nations to the nations of the world. Everyone will praise him. His righteousness will be like a garden in early spring with plants springing up everywhere. The word of the Lord. Isaiah begins by describing this broken situation the people were living in. They were poor, brokenhearted, captive, and in mourning. God doesn't allow the people to remain in this state forever. So the servant of the Lord has been anointed by the Spirit of God to provide a different reality for his people, a different reality than the brokenness that they were currently experiencing. The first three insteads appear in verse 3. Instead of ashes, they will have a beautiful headdress, a crown of beauty. When we think of ashes, we think of what's left over after a forest fire or after a barbecue But in the ancient world, ashes symbolized something that had happened in a horrible way. And so people would put ashes on their head to demonstrate the destruction and the loss and the despair that people were experiencing. And Isaiah tells the people, instead of ashes, you're going to wear this crown of beauty. You're going to have the symbol of a victor. You're going to turn those ashes of despair and destruction into an experience of victory and celebration. Then Isaiah says that instead of mourning, they will experience joyous blessing. Your translation might say oil of gladness. Oil was used to anoint kings and dignitaries. It was a way to refresh the body and refresh the soul. It was sometimes used as perfume. And one of the feelings that accompany us when we are in despair, in this state of brokenness, is the feeling that that God has left us, that his presence is not there. And the oil of blessing and gladness reminds us Every time we whiff the the, the smell of the oil, the perfume, we are reminded that God has not left. He is present and he is with us. Instead of feeling abandoned, we feel accompanied. God is with us. The third uh, instead we find in verse 3, instead of despair, we will receive a garment of praise. Towards the end of our reading, that garment was described as festive clothing like one might wear at a wedding. Reference being to the wedding dress of a beautiful bride. There's probably not a more beautiful sight than a bride walking down the aisle of a church, waiting and getting ready for that joyous moment of sharing her life. And the Lord says that that is what we will be wearing. Rather than broken, torn rags of despair, we will be filled with joy and hope of a new life that God has in store. 
And the last instead comes in verse 7. Instead of shame and dishonor, we will get a double share, a double portion of honor. And, and, and in the middle of this text, Isaiah says and does something really quite amazing. He's talking how he's talked about how the people of God are these broken people. But then he says God will convert them and transform them into oaks, great oaks of righteousness that the Lord himself has planted. And it reminds us of those oaks, that, those trees that are planted by the river and that, that are called blessed by the Lord in Psalm 1. So rather than being cursed and despised, they're going to be blessed and they're going to not hang their heads in shame and not double over in pain, but they will stand tall and proud like those majestic oaks. And so if you'll pardon the alliteration, they will go from being broke to being oak. God will do this for their lives. The text also says that not only will they be, they be called and viewed as oaks, they will be viewed as priests of God, as ministers. And, and that speaks to their function in this world. Not only are they to receive the blessing of God, they are to be the blessing of God to those around. A priest's function in the Old Testament and then in the New Testament, as God has called us to be priests, is to help people find God and helped direct their paths. And so a sense, these great oaks that the people of God have become are like lamp posts or signposts. They point the direction to where God can be found. Now, the first part of this text, verses 1 through 3, might have sounded familiar to you, especially uh, on December 4th, if you were following, through, following along with the reading because these were the words that Jesus used to lay out his mission in his very first sermon in Luke chapter 4. And he used these verses to say, this is what God is calling me to do and to be. And after he read these words, he said, today, this scripture has been fulfilled. Today, over 2,000 years ago, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed Jesus to bring about all of these transformations and changes. And you might think, well, <laughs> there's still a lot of brokenness around. There's more brokenness than we would like. A few years back, Bob Dylan wrote a song, uh, Everything is Broken. Broken lines, broken strings, broken threads, broken springs, broken idols, broken heads, people sleeping in broken beds. Ain't no use jiving, ain't no use joking. Everything is broken. Broken bottles, broken plates, broken switches, broken gates, broken dishes, broken parts. Streets are filled with broken hearts. Broken words never meant to be spoken. Everything is broken. You know, he, he had no clue what the world would come to. But that might seem like a good description for what our world looks like today. 
Our economy is broken. Our political system is broken. Our school systems are broken. Our health care systems are becoming increasingly broken and overwhelmed. And everywhere you turn, even churches can seem to be broken. And Jesus proclaims today, this scripture has been fulfilled. The broken things are going to be healed. So, so what happened to that promise? What happened to that fulfillment? Well, what Jesus was saying, not that it had been completed, but it was the beginning of this process of fulfillment and completion. I mean, Jesus himself lived the brokenness of humanity and lived to feel the brokenness of what it feels like to be a human, not only physically, but also emotionally and spiritually. And so when Jesus proclaims the fulfillment of this scripture, he's simply saying this is the beginning of that time. The, film, the fullness of and the fulfillment of that time won't come until he comes again and restores his kingdom and its fullness. And so we are living in the in-between times, between the beginning and the fulfillment of that promise. You know, our own salvation kind of follows a similar path. Those of us who have named Jesus as Lord and have submitted to him and we've been baptized and we're on this path, we're saved in the past from our sins. And we know that we've been saved so that someday we will enjoy God's presence in the future. But what about now? <laughs> what about the present? Well, we are saved to live rightly and to act justly and to be about restoring what has been ruined by sin. We live out our salvation that God has promised us. We find ways to proclaim the good news. We comfort the brokenhearted. We console those who mourn. We live as oaks of righteousness pointing the way to Jesus we get involved in restoring our communities. We act and stand up for justice. We protest against robbery and wrongdoing wherever we see it, no matter what the consequences. We stand up and we point people to Jesus. And as we wait for Jesus' coming, we serve as witnesses to the goodness of God. We say yes to the dress. <laughs> And we adopt and become this beautiful, beaming bride that God is coming to rescue. I don't know how you feel about your brokenness. It's easy to feel like your brokenness disqualifies you for God. And that God is so abhorred, abhorred with your brokenness that he wouldn't want to even look at you. In Japan, they, they have this practice. It's called uh, kintsugi or kintsugudoi. Don't speak Japanese, even though I was raised by a Japanese woman. But this refers to the Japanese art of restoring broken pottery. By, by using gold and glittering ceramic uh, parts and paste. And rather than trying to hide the broken part, it highlights it. It's called golden repair. 
and actually shows how the broken parts can be as beautiful, if not more beautiful. Instead of a broken piece of pottery, we see a repaired piece of pottery. But we are able to appreciate how the repair has been done. Scripture tells us that God heals the brokenhearted and binds our wounds. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted than those who are crushed in spirit. Today, God wants to fulfill that promise in your life, in our life. He wants to change our present and future reality. Rather than broken, instead of brokenness, sadness, and repair, he wants to give us blessing, gladness, and joy. And not only that, he wants us as transformed oaks of righteousness to stand loud and proud and point people to the God who can change their lives as well. Our prayer is that each one of you will experience that move from broke to oak. If we can help you with that, please let us know. Give us a call, send us an email, make a a, a note in the chat. May God bless you as we continue our time of waiting. Now our brother Paul Schwepp is here and he will lead us in prayer as, uh, as we conclude our service today. God bless you.